Well, good morning. I'm not only glad you're here, I'm glad that you're able to be here. How many had sickness over the holidays in your home? I didn't dare call the Acox and tell them that both Jonathan and Sarah were sick on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. The Acox think the tallies are cursed and uh, almost refuse to come to our house anytime around Christmas because they think it's going to be, they're going to be sick. I want to know how the Elmores escaped the sickness that apparently has hit this entire section. Either that, either that or they're on their way to Times Square, you know, for New Year's Eve. But you are here and we're very glad that you're here. It's amazing that I'm here. Uh, Jonathan and Cyril and Suki, our friend Suki, talked me into ice skating last night. Um, it's not so much, you know, the danger out there on the skates, but it's the humiliation. I mean, you know, <laughs> there are a few things sadder in this life than a fat man at the end of the Christmas season trying to lace up his ice skates. That's, that's really, you know, it's going to be a while before I get over that. But, um, you, you know, you, it, you have to, it's like six tries, you know. It's like, oh, oh, and you're going down. And, and the Christmas treats were, I think, better this year than ever before. My goodness, we had some good eats this year. And the Christmas season is over and the new year is upon us. And you know what that means. Making commitments that you have very little hope of keeping through this coming year. I hope that's not the case, but look, it's our experience that Americans are world-class goal-setters, and we are, in addition, world-class giver-uppers. Now, every year, we think this year is going to be different, and in fact, as I've said many times, New Year's is possibly my favorite. Look, I love Christmas, Easter. What can mean more than Easter? But I love the idea of New Year. A new start. And it's that gospel cycle, isn't it? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. No matter how low you are, there's always hope in Jesus that things are going to be different this next year. I'm going to guess that many of you have regular periods of evaluation in your life. Like, for instance, some of you schedule your physical exam with your doctor somewhere around your birthday just so that you won't forget because you know that it's important that you evaluate where you are physically and so that you can make adjustments uh, if they're called for. In the same way, uh, it's instructive for us to periodically evaluate our entire lives, everything about our lives, our physical uh, state, um, our mind, body, and soul, and, and think about our eating habits, our exercise, time management, relationships, just everything. You want to evaluate everything. And is there any time of the year that we do that more than these days that come right before the new year? I've titled this message Dealing with Distractions, but it's really not the primary focus of Psalm 16, so it could be just a little bit misleading. If you are a Christ follower, there's no doubt. I have no doubt in my mind. You are here this morning on a holiday Sunday. You want your relationship with Jesus Christ to be better in 2013 than it was in 2012. Uh, You want to make your relationship with Jesus a greater priority. Maybe it was a greater priority in a younger year of your life, those of you 
notice I say you, who have aged a little, and you look back on those younger years and remember what it was like when you were so passionately in love with Christ and you regret that that fire is not burning like it used to. And one of the reasons is because you're so easily distracted. And look, you think when you're young, you've got so many things going on. Man, we've got eight grandchildren. I've finally started communicating on a regular basis with the old one, oldest one because she can email. I, you know, I'm done writing the letters that I, that I used to write. But what a joy it is to, 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 to email back and forth with Laurel and, and get to know her much better and to have input into her life. And there are so many distractions in my life. And I know the same is true with you. And you know that if you're going to make walking with Jesus a greater priority in your life, then you're going to have to deal with the distractions. How do, you, how do we do that? Well, we'll get to that in the early portion of, of Psalm 16. You remember that the Psalms functioned as, as hymn books for the Israelites. They would sing these Psalms, and they had different Psalms for different occasions. In fact, if you've turned... To Psalm 16 in your Bible, you see that this psalm is titled a Miktam of David. Miktam is, is likely a musical or a liturgical term. So the Israelites were used to singing these songs. And so this morning we're going to sing this psalm together. Now, if you went to see Les Mis this year ready, you're, you know, you're just going to, we're going to, well, no, we won't sing this psalm since we don't know the tune. But we are going to say it together. The Psalms, written in Hebrew, were much more interested with content. Parallelism is the, is the big feature in, in, in Psalms where they would repeat the truth in a different way. Content was much more important than cadence. And it's been translated from Hebrew to English. So it doesn't have the flow that some of the ancient creeds have, which were also translated into English from Greek or Latin. But we're going to... Uh, say this psalm, and I think we'll do okay. So if you would please stand together, and let's quote together, or read together, Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no God apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Our Father, we believe these words that we have stated because you have caused us to believe. We thank you for bringing us into your family, for bringing us into your joy, and for bringing us into your very presence. Father, we acknowledge your presence here this morning. We know that you are always, wherever we go, no matter what our state, we pray that that presence might be palpable amongst us this morning, that we might sense your nearness through your word. Give us faith to believe and strength to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and be seated. Psalm 16, written by David, has something of David in it, but it has more of Christ in it. Our Genesis study is going to come back more than a few times this morning in this psalm uh, as, as we look to establish it, life priorities, life priorities for 2013. Just think of the continuity of God's plan through the ages. Aren't you grateful to be a part? We've been thinking about right from the very beginning, his plan and how it was set in motion. And we see it going through Psalm 16. We see it going through the cross of Christ, the resurrection, the early church, all the way to us today. Aren't you grateful to be a part of that plan? Uh, how do we see Jesus in this psalm? Well, much the same way that Moses wrote Yahweh into the Genesis story, although God never revealed himself as Yahweh until much later. But Moses knew better than Adam and Noah, so he wrote Yahweh into the story. And once Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, we cannot read the rest of Scripture without seeing Him in there. Everything points to Jesus. That's often true in the Psalms, always in the Old Testament, and it's certainly the case in Psalm 16. From the outset of this Psalm, David confesses that all of his hope is in the Lord. So from the very beginning, we're faced with this question, where does my hope lie? Where do I place my hope? Is my hope in the Lord, or is it in the abundantly available resources of our day? Is it wrong to use the resources that are available to us in our day? When we're in trouble? Absolutely not. They may be the very means that God has ordained to, to, to get us out of particular situations that, that we come to. <clears throat> but without trust in a sovereign God, resources only buy us a little time and they do nothing for the permanent state of our soul. When we're constantly just looking for something to help me out of a jam, something to get me through another day. I mean, who doesn't know the panic that leads to the temptation to find rescue anywhere we can in order to lessen our pain? And sometimes it's pain that God has ordained to turn our focus to Him. But we're not worrying about that. All we're worrying about is alleviating the pain. And look, we all get that. Nobody likes pain. That's not what we were designed for initially. Sin and death and 
pain weren't in the initial equation. And so they're foreign and we do everything that we can to get away from it. It's worse though, not only looking to all of these resources to get out of trouble, but it's worse to find fulfillment in temporary and passing ideas and in work or in entertainment. In verse 2, David sets his heart on God. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So we're back again to the Genesis study. What, what does it indicate, and you can answer this, what does it indicate when, when, when God's name is, the Lord is in all capital letters? What name is that being used of God? Yahweh. Jehovah is, is another way of saying Yahweh. It's the way that people said in order not to say the holy name of, of Yahweh. But Yahweh is fine. God revealed himself as Yahweh. And let's not make more of it than God made of it. So he revealed himself as Yahweh. And, and what does Yahweh indicate? What does that name indicate? Who wants to answer that one? All the way from the back, Mr. Stephen, we see you hiding back there. What does it mean? It's the covenant God. It's the, it's the name that he uses with his people, with his covenant people. In the Old Testament, that was Israel. In the New Testament, it's anyone who belongs to the church, anyone who belongs to Jesus, who knows God through Jesus Christ. And, and, and as odd as it may seem, this is the way that we deal with distraction, that we recognize God as our covenant God and we put all of our hope in Him. I have no good apart from you. And that is a matter of the heart. When we can say from the deepest recesses of our soul and our heart, I have no good apart from you. Now, there is no doubt. This is New Year's. We're talking about resolutions. And there's always this tension in churches that, that believe the gospel as deeply as we do. You know, what is our part? What is God's part? What is our part? We recognize that apart from God, nothing good happens in our lives. But how do we obey? How do we draw near to him as we're commanded to do in his word without it become a works-oriented, a legalistic kind of an approach to God? So... There is no doubt that there's benefit to spiritual discipline, such as committing to read our Bible and to pray and memorizing Scripture and, and reading Christian literature and sharing people, uh, sharing the gospel with people, the good news of Jesus with people. But just like Donald Whit- Whitney said, spiritual disciplines are not mere biblical responsibilities. Rather, they are, are the God-given measure of experience in God. So we don't... We don't do these things in order to check off a list. Checking off a list can be helpful. But we don't do these things just so that we can feel good about ourselves. We do them that we might experience God. Religion says if I will will be careful to follow the rules, and, and while I know I can't follow all of the rules, if I can just follow the rules better than these guys down the road, I think I'll be okay. God will find me acceptable. The gospel says there is absolutely no way for you to make yourself acceptable. That's why God came to earth 
in Jesus Christ, God's Son, and went to the cross. And in the song, as the song said, we sang, I am accepted, but you were condemned. That's the reason I can be accepted, because you took the condemnation that was due me. When we are related to God through Jesus, we are a part of his covenant people. And if you are a Christian, if you belong to Jesus, at some point in your life, you said, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. You're more important to me than anybody or anything in the world. (coughs) Chances are you don't truthfully say that as often as you used to. Because of distractions. That's why today, this last Sunday of of 2012, it's, it's such a good time to evaluate where we are spiritually and to do business with the Lord. How are we going to avoid distractions this coming year? Distractions that keep us from God. Well, our only hope, it's not so much about putting away the negative things as it is putting on the positive. We must make Jesus our number one priority. And and the best way, for me anyway, to maintain a healthy relationship with Christ is is to commit to spiritual discipline, such as Bible reading, quiet time, prayer, etc. You have a far better chance of relating to God when you're in the places where God is speaking. I mean, look, you want to be connected with somebody? You have to, you have to be where they are. Or at the least, if not, on, if not in person, you've got to be where they are online, Skyping. Um, let me just tell you, those of you who are younger and you're frustrated with your parents or your grandparents that they won't Skype, you won't have that problem when you're the grandparents. We don't want to Skype like you do, you know? I mean, it's a, we'll do it. It's nice to see, but it's just so much trouble for us, for us old ones who are not technologically minded. So get over your parents not loving you. That's not the case, okay? It's just we're too dumb to keep up with you in this, in this age. Anytime somebody says Skype, I say, oh, I mean, I don't show that, but I've just revealed it to my family now, and I'm in big trouble. I mean, sure, it's cool to talk to Australia on the other side of the world. It's nice, but I don't know if it's worth it, really. (laughs) But you know the point. You got to be connected, right? And if you want your relationship to grow, and, and look, that's what you're doing this morning. You're here and, and, and I guarantee you, some of you didn't want to be here this morning. I mean, it is just not, you're relaxed, you've been sleeping in, you know, the last couple of days, you're thinking, really? Yes, because you know how important it is to your walk with the Lord. Some of you have set a goal or maybe even a New Year's resolution, you've already made this resolution that I'm going to spend more time with my spouse or with my family this year. We're going to have a date night. That'll go about mid-January, you know. Once a week, we're going to do a date night. And then you run out of money because it costs so much to hire babysitters. But you recognize that your relationship 
improves considerably when you spend intentional time together. Now, if you're one of those who says, look, our relationship is better when we're apart, that might indicate trouble because you know if you love somebody, you want to spend time with them. And, and frankly, no matter how badly you want to spend time with those people you love, there are things that demand our attention and really, you know, we're doing this for a while. We want to be over here, but then we end up turning fully and completely to work, recreation, other activities. And we start to lose the kind of touch that we want with the people that are the most important to us. So, if you desire to spend time with someone, but distractions limit your time considerably, the relationship inevitably suffers. Now, when we're thinking about spiritual disciplines, we need to acknowledge right from the get-go that the commitment to and practice of spiritual disciplines will not in and of itself, just because we're committed to practicing these spiritual disciplines, that in and of itself will not improve our relationship with the Lord. I mean, in fact, this practice can lead to self-righteousness. And and remember, Jesus' greatest words of rebuke and condemnation either, even were to those who were self-righteous, who thought themselves better than everyone else because they knew Scripture. And Jesus, as we talked about last week, this verse last week, you've missed the whole thing. You think that just knowing the Scripture and being able to spout it all off makes you something, but you've missed it. You don't find eternal life in the Word. You find eternal life in this Word. The the Scripture points to me. And without this relationship, you don't get it. So there is the potential to get into the Word and miss Jesus. But we're not going to find Jesus unless we're in the Word. It's not the practice of spiritual disciplines, but rather the heart that is behind the practice that leads to positive change. Without committing time to be with the Lord... Our spiritual walk is not going to be what it should be. In fact, I don't know how your relationship with God is going to improve. I don't know how it improves apart from spiritual disciplines. Now, maybe that's because of the way that I am and I'm trying to impose this on you. But let's keep running down this trail for a bit. If this is so, where do I begin? I would suggest that... Above everything else that you commit to having a quiet time, a time alone with the Lord every day. And I'm going to suggest that you commit to do it every day of 2013. You don't let one day go by. So what happens when you fall into bed at at almost midnight and you have to get up at 5 o'clock the next morning and you realize that you haven't done it? You get up and you turn the light on. And two or three times like that and you will be amazed at how you find time earlier in the day to do it. But when you are that committed that you don't go to sleep until you have done this, then it starts to become more of a habit. Don't worry about becoming legalistic in your approach to God. You're going to have to deal with that. But that's not the biggest issue. Look, you can, you, you can spend the rest of your time saying, I'm not going to do something that's legalistic, and you're never going to pursue God as you should. 
It's the only way you're going to get to know God better is to spend time with Him. If you don't know how to have a quiet time, talk with your home group leader. And if you're not in a home group, talk with me. Call me, email me. I will be glad to just give you some suggestions about how you might spend that time every day with the Lord. <clears throat> with the Lord. That's kind of Lord and word. Lord, you know, you get that. Um, another way I want to encourage you here at the first of the year is to commit to reading the Bible through this year. David and I were talking about spiritual disciplines this past week, David Calvert and I. And I, I said, you know, I think probably the discipline <clears throat> that has been the most important to me has been reading through the Word. Now, <clears throat> I haven't done it as much the last several years as I did it for a long stretch of my life. Every year, someone challenged me when I was quite young to, to read through the Bible every year. And I did it for a lot of years in a row. And David says, I'm not, I wouldn't say that that's been the most profitable discipline for me. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, I wouldn't have said that when I was your age. But now I do. Reading Scripture through every year gives you this big picture. It, it reminds you of things that you had completely forgotten about. <clears throat> and, and, and I recognize that it's, it is a ridiculously time-consuming commitment to do it. I mean, it's up to three hours a day. No, not really. It's like 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day you can read through Scripture. And, and if you say, well, look, uh, I, I, I don't have... There are lots of plans. Alice and I are, are going through the chronological Bible this year. That's what we're going to do. We didn't do it this year. We didn't. We did it last. Not this year. We're getting back this year, going through... In the daily Bible, the chronological Bible. But if you have the experience in the past of starting in Genesis and somewhere along, the, you know, about halfway through Leviticus, you say, uh-uh, I just can't do this anymore. Then get the one-year Bible where the, the, it's laid out for you every day. Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, Psalms. So you're going you're gonna to be doing something every day in different parts of the Bible, and you won't is likely to get bogged down and it's very easy it's just you know january 16th you go right to january 16th it's laid out and if you if you're saying well I'm, I'm a little intimidated by this use the new living translation what an awesome way to read scripture look when you read through as much as i have done you know you read your day and then you you put it aside look by the way as far as this let me encourage you don't get behind. Get ahead if you want to. You know you got a busy weekend coming up. Get ahead on that. But don't get behind. But when I'm reading through the New Living Translation, I just keep going. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it's just riveting. The story, you see the story so beautifully. If you've never done that before and you've read through a bunch and you're planning again this year, let me encourage you. New Living Translation. <clears throat> now, please know, look, I used to be real sensitive about this and would re refuse to do it. Please know that when I use myself as an example, it, it's not meant to encourage, it's meant to encourage you, I'm sorry, not to promote myself. I, I promise you, there is no one in this room more ADDDDDDD than I am. Um, it's like I... Was, we were over at Jim and Joy's the other night, and he showed me this video with Mark Lowry. He said, I used to be ADHD, but when I got old, I dropped the H. And I get it, you know. I, you're not as hyperactive as you used to be. That's, I saw that at the skating rink last night. But 
the distraction is very much there. And, and I need to confess to you that, that spiritual disciplines have not held the same place in my life as they did in earlier years. When Linda got sick, I allowed myself to be distracted. That's, is that a legitimate distraction? Well, yes and no. When I'm not committed to spiritual disciplines, my relationship with the Lord suffers. And look, I mean, I go so far, I've got a file slam full in there, this thing that a mentor early in life, Mike Calhoun, who spoke here a few years ago, shared with me spiritual growth chart. It looks as legalistic as you can possibly get. You know, you write your disciplines out and you check it off every day. I am best in my relationship with Christ when I am checking that thing off. When I am committing to doing it, and I have to struggle all the time with, why are you doing this? And remind myself that I'm doing it because I desire for God, for Jesus to be everything to me. And I know that if I am not committing myself to Him, look, some of you young husbands slash fathers, you talk about your love for your spouse and your, and your children, but look, you, you need to commit more time to them, probably. A lot of you do. Well, uh, you know, I'm so busy. I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about the things that you do outside of work when you could be spending time with your families. So, <clears throat> I know that my only hope of being where I want to be in my walk with Christ is to discipline myself to do that. <clears throat> so, all of this leads to this conclusion. It's not so much about dealing with distractions as it is about making Jesus the top priority in my life. That, that's my experience, and I share it with you in hopes that you might benefit. And it's also likely that we're going to benefit as we hear from your experience. Look, a couple times a year, we, at least two times a year, we, we generally have times of, of you sharing. That's the Sunday after Thanksgiving and the Sunday before Christmas, they're kind of close together. Maybe somewhere else along the way we'll put it in. But last week we didn't have time. Preacher got long-winded last week and there was, I actually didn't plan on it. I planned on it this morning, but it's going to be precious little time. So when we get to it in a few minutes, you need to be ready to talk. I know a lot of you at Thanksgiving wanted to share, <clears throat> but didn't get a chance to. And I want you to share with us how this has made a difference in your life. I mean, you can share anything, but especially if, if, you, if the Lord led you in something that helped you draw close to Him, then be willing to share. We're going to move on through the rest of this psalm fairly quickly before we do that, though. Look at verses 3 and 4. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. David is saying that his relationship with God is affected greatly 
by his relationship with the people of God. David, the other David, David Calvert, said this morning, we are gathered here as one family under his spirit, one Lord, one spirit, one family. When you're determining spiritual disciplines this year, know that the New Testament presents all personal spiritual growth in the context of a body, of a church. And it's difficult to get what you need on Sunday morning, which is why we keep saying, really, you've got to be in a home group if you want to get the full benefit of the body of Christ. But at the very least, commit to being with God's people. Think of David saying that his delight is in the excellent ones, in the saints of the land. By contrast, the sorrows of those who run after other gods shall multiply. There's a distant echo of the fall in these words. Similar, Very similar words were spoken to Eve. When David says he will not take their names on his lips, most likely he means the names of the idols, not those outside the covenant people of God. That would be consistent with all of teaching. He's not saying, I'm not going to even talk about those people, you know, who don't do it like I do it. He's talking about the false gods. This is a significant word to us with regard to our priorities. There are not many of us who would bow down to an idol. But anything, and we've talked about this over and over, anything that has a place of higher priority in our lives than than the Lord is an idol. We call them distractions. God calls them idols. Let's continue in verse 5. Yahweh is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. My entire life is in your hands. And what does that mean? The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. This has been a few weeks of loss. I did not know until this morning about Tom Ray's young cousin, 13-year-old, 13 years old. Asthma, not with us now. It's, it's a time of loss in so many ways, loss of relationship, loss of loved ones, loss of employment. And so... It's difficult at times to think that the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. And they don't unless our commitment and our relationship with God is far deeper than our circumstances. If we're going to measure the goodness of life by the circumstances, there will be a few times here and there that it'll be good, but... Not much, but when the Lord is our life, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless Yahweh who gives me counsel. In the night, the night's a tough time for some of you. In the night, also, my heart instructs me. These are words of one who is close to God. 
The psalm takes a bit of a turn now. Uh, David wrote this entire psalm, but the last verses read as if they've been spoken by Jesus. And so say both Peter and Paul in the book of Acts. Actually, you could say verse 7 belongs to this section, but let's begin with verse 8. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices for my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to the grave or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You will not abandon my soul to the grave or let your Holy One see corruption. First of all, David would not have called himself a Holy One. Secondly, he knew that his body would die and decay in the grave. He wouldn't have used the term Messiah. He had absolutely no understanding of the Trinity or of God coming to the earth in form of man to die for our sins. But he knew that he spoke better than he understood when he wrote Psalm 16. He knew these words had deeper meaning than what he could understand. And after Jesus' resurrection, it's easy to see how the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were prophesied in the Psalms. Here, specifically. But there's meaning for us as well as we see in that last verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. And it really in verse 10 too, it's a promise that we will live eternally. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't care how difficult your life is. You, if you belong to Jesus, you will know eternal pleasures. And you have the privilege of walking in the path of life. Even now, long before the last tear is dried, where only rejoicing finds its way to your lips. The joy, the pleasures such as you are allowed to know in this life are found only in the presence of the Lord. And you can only be in God's presence if you live intentionally, saturating your mind and your soul with this word and allowing it by God's spirit to draw you close to him and to strengthen you and conform you more and more to the image of Jesus. So let's hear how that has happened in your life. Scott and Chris, if You've get, you got one of the mics. And just take a few minutes. You've got, you've got a mic. Okay. And, and share how Jesus has become more real to you. If you want to speak to the spiritual disciplines idea, that's fine. If you want to say it's totally legalistic, I don't know what I'm talking about, please don't say that. I'm going to go ahead and take advantage since I'm already holding it. Um, one of the things you mentioned this morning that uh, a friend of mine's name is um, 
Todd Gibson challenged me years and years ago to try and read through the Bible every year. And at the time, I mean, I was not super young, but much younger than I am now, and thought, well, you know, I'll try. I'm a very slow reader, and as most of you know, most of the books of the Bible are difficult, if not impossible, to pronounce, much less understand at times. And so as a challenge to me, that was kind of falling on deaf ears, but I figured I'd give it a try. There are for helpful purposes, some websites that actually will read the books of the Bible to you, and that helped keep me going some of the in some of the passages that were difficult to pronounce, and so that that has helped me. And I would challenge you all as well. It's been an, a tremendous benefit to me to read through the Bible, and I've done so since then for many many years. And I would challenge you to do the same. And it has that cumulative effect, doesn't it? I mean, it it, it gets better through the years. Yeah, and it's also true that you do forget things. Yeah. And you th- you wouldn't think you would. The more you read something, you thinks you'd think it would sink in, but there's a lot there. Yeah. Well, I'm getting to that place in life where everything I read is the first time I've ever read it. You know. <laughs>